We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Cameron. I'm Willie, and this is The Other Side of Hell Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the show. If you're new, or you're nearly new, or you've never been here before, um, on the show, me and Willie make it a point to have some light banter for about the first 10 <laughs> minutes. So, Willie, <laughs> how are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm, de- I'm cold. Why are you so cold? cold in here today. It's not. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's because you have ice running through your veins. Maybe. God. It's been a rough start this morning, no? No. Oh. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah. It's been good this morning. I feel good. Cam- Cameron's. I needed this. Yeah. Cameron is uh, spry. Coming off the heels of a really busy week. Yeah. I needed I needed the, the human connection. Yes. It's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. Everybody who's listening or watching the show, I'm glad you're here too. We got a really good uh, war story. Yeah, today. this is one of those. And and let me say, she reached out to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is um, absolutely welcome. Yeah, but rare and wonderful. Like yeah. it's so great when when we have people reach out to us and say, "Hey, I like what you're doing, and I'd like to be on, and I'd like to uh, to do something." Yeah, so. Yeah, tell so us about it. Ashley um, <laughs> is uh, is somebody with some sober time. Yeah, who has had uh, a, a hell of a story. Yeah, um, really great story. Kind of a, uh, a little bit different, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all that different, but not the way um, that she felt, but where she came from is a little. We haven't had a lot of people come from where she came from. Yeah, and and and. and was put it out there it's a little faith-based uh, more more of a not she says it even says not religious but you know church-based yeah grew up church and, and found mm-hmm. a way into the things that make us what we are yeah like we all do and, and i'm pretty happy that I, I don't have to live that way today yeah um and uh and you know one thing that she she talked a lot in her story about um the way she felt as a child and some of the stuff that she has tried to um, instill in her own kids mm-hmm. um, as a result of, of having felt a certain way growing up. And one of the things that she said that I really, really resonated with and, and thought would make a great topic is uh, is don't take it personally. <laughs> don't take what personally? Don't take it. Oh, anything. Yeah. You know, have you ever um, have you ever had a comment thrown your way? from an individual uh, when you were young, growing up, or even later in life, who that one comment just really sort of shaped yeah. an idea that you had about yourself? Yeah, I got called fat when I was a kid. Did you? F- were you fat? Uh, I look at the pictures around that time and no. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I wasn't fat. But you took that. And lived with it all the way up until this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean i still deal with it yeah i mean because you are fat <laughs> a little bit. no 
<laughs> a little bit. I mean, I'm only kind of fat. Now. All right, but the, uh, the the reason why I want to talk about it is because I think that it's important. I think it is fairly common amongst people of our variety um, to be a sensitive folk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and we hear this all the time. Um, I have a lot of it in my story. It's something that I, I still um, resonate with today is, is constantly wanting to turn myself into a victim. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, uh, and so when we talk about like not taking things personal, like when we say, what, what are we, what are we talking about? Like, don't take what personal? Well, don't take somebody's opinion or idea or concept of you personal, right? Like it speaks more to them than it does to mm. you. Yeah. Um, for me, it was the same thing. Growing up, I, you know, I also got called fat and I look back at pictures and I'm like, I wasn't fat. Like, you know, I, where did I get that idea that I was fat? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, but I, I did. I had that notion that I was ugly or there was something wrong with me or, um, and I really, I, I took that attitude of there is something wrong with me throughout my whole um, childhood, mm-hmm. right? And it really sort of set this foundation for um, always interpreting, in, interpreting somebody's interaction towards me as negative, right? or bullying, right? right? Um, I can see some very clear instances. Do you want me to tell you kind of an embarrassing story? Uh, I, I want you to tell all of us a very embarrassing okay. story, this, please. So this is just for you, Willie, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> but <clears throat> I remember in gym class in seventh grade, now junior high for me was really, really one of those moments where I was just like, it was like a culture shock, right? Okay. Um, like, elementary i wouldn't say i was like the most popular kid but i was you know i, I everybody was my friend oh sure right? sure sure um, but when i got to junior high it was like everything changed yeah you're no longer the big fish in a little pond right exactly like and um and i remember being in a junior high gym class and we were doing sit-ups and i farted <laughs> Okay. okay. I was crushed. I was mortified and everybody laughed and some of them gave me what I would call they're giving me shit. Right. Um, but I was just like destroyed. Okay. And, um, and then like two weeks later, maybe even not that, that much later, like a week later, somebody else did the same thing. And he just shrugged it off. <laughs> and and he was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, God, you know, whatever. And it, and it didn't it didn't really occur to me then. It occurs to me now in retrospect. I mean, then I was like, oh, of course, it's not a big deal to him. Like, he's popular. Right. Um, that comparison thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I can see now, like, he's the one that decided it wasn't a big deal. Right. Right. Like, I was the one that decided it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and this is is something as a result of like me constantly taking other people's opinions towards me personally and making this identity out of it 
um, in such a way that I just assumed that all these negative opinions that people had of me were true. Yeah. And, and that I was lower than I was less than I was unimportant. Um, and I was mortified in that instance. So I don't know. Do you, do you have anything? I mean, I, I dare say that you identified as a sensitive kid. Um, Yeah. Do you have anything in, in your story or in your childhood where you can clearly see that this was a result of you taking things personally? Well, yeah. I mean, what, what came first, the sensitivity or the addiction, (laughs) like like the chicken or the egg? I don't know. They kind of seem to to run hand in hand. We self-destruct. A lot of us will self-destruct based on taking things personally and, and unfortunately, that's the, the truth of the matter. So many have been destroyed in that. But yeah, I mean, there there were some things when I was a kid. I mean, I got I remember getting laughed at because of penis size. Like there was, <laughs> there was, this, there was this one time uh, that uh, I was at the rec center swimming and this guy saw me getting naked. He started laughing. At, well, he, and he may not even been laughing at me. I just took it as he was laughing at me and. and from that day on, I always had like penis insecurity, mm. and <laughs> and that's a real thing. Yeah, especially at that age. Yeah, I like, mean, I mean, I'd already been exposed to pornography and was comparing myself to adults anyway. Mm. But you know, not so much um, the the stuff that I remember. I mean, that's one thing that I remember. I remember uh, feeling different as far as being fat. At, uh, another thing that I t- tended to take personally was um, the the special education classes and, and stuff like that. And I don't know that they were necessarily like like special ed, but I had a lot of extra classes that weren't in actual classes where it was more like one on one with with a, a specialized teacher. So I guess it's special ed. I don't mm-hmm. know. They're trying to fix my behavior more than anything, I think, or figure out what how to how to get me successful in that type of setting and so I spent a lot of time outside of class with with that kind of stuff and then the the thing that that I really took personally more than anything else were were my relationships with uh with you know romantic relationships with other people um and and when I was met with lack of love or my expectations weren't met as far as what I thought uh, it was supposed to be. I mean, a a really, really big one for me was, you know, in the sixth grade, uh, which which is still pretty young, you know, Mm -hmm. sixth, sixth, Mm -hmm. seventh grade, sixth grade. uh, I I got my heart broke. I was I was dating a girl that I had a a pretty big crush on. Um, We dated for uh, about two and a half weeks. You know, oh, I, so I, it was pretty serious. I, I could, could kind of laugh yeah. about it. I could kind of laugh about it now, and my parents have gotten over it. But did you, you know, ask her with a note? Did you send her? A no. Note? Uh, I, I mean, we we ended up at the same place and the same time, and and one day she was babysitting, and we, you know, back then we would call each other on the phone. She had my phone number, and sure, really pretty. And, she gave me the time of day and, and we went over to where she was babysitting and we kissed and I touched her boob and it was Get awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, it was awesome, you know. And then we dated for a little while and then she kind of cheated on me with another guy and I found out about it and I fucking ran away from home. 
Yeah, I was devastated. Yeah, I, I okay. was embarrassed. I was devastated. I um, I had a, a huge plan, and I think I've actually talked about this on the podcast a little bit before, but um, so uh, uh, this one kid came into town. He was from Las Vegas. I made a plan to leave. I was going to go to Las Vegas. I was I was twelve years old, heartbroken. Um, I had eighteen dollars in cash. Where where I got that eighteen dollars, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's I, a good question. I had some cigarettes and I had a beer and, um, I decided that I was going to leave and, and go start a new life in Las Vegas. Cause I couldn't face the world as mm. a broken, unworthy male. Sure. Who, who got left for another person. So, well, and that, and so that was the devastation then is, is just rejection. And, and because she chose somebody else over you, like you must not be worthy. Right. Okay. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, I took it personally, like it didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with me as a person. You know, if she didn't like me, she didn't like me. I right. can deal with that a little bit more now. You know, if she mm-hmm. liked him more, if he wooed her more, but I ended up stealing my parents' car and jumping it off a cliff. You know, like I'm lucky to be alive, kind of, because I fell asleep. I left I left town and I was driving down an interstate towards Utah and just outside of a little town in Utah called Echo. I drove it off of a cliff and the car rolled in over in. I um, I got out of the car in pitch black. I was wearing a black trench coat, started walking down the middle of the interstate. Um, what I what I remember about it now was, uh, you know, the truckers that that had passed me. Uh, we're talking to each other on the CB. They're talking about, um, you know, somebody being on the highway or whatever. And then one of them finally stopped. And I, I still remember the look on his face. And he asked me, he goes, kid, wh- where are your parents? Hmm. And and I thought, I didn't know where which way we were going. I thought we were still, I was still headed towards Vegas. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I had no intention of going home just because I wrecked the car. The mission's not over. Yeah. I can't go back home. That's insanity. You know, my heart was broken and I took it very personally because, you know, that rejection thing is is very personal and it's hard to not take it personally. You know, I think it comes with a lot of maturity, um, especially if you've never really been taught about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. one of the things that we can do, uh, you know, as a service to our own children is is go through their experiences with that. rejection and embarrassment and stuff walk through it with them and try to point out where uh where they are taking it personal and and identify with those same feelings because um you know that that was a very you know i look back on it now like very very dangerous situation and like i said i'm lucky to be alive yeah you know my poor mother that 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 was that wasn't even the start and it was nowhere close to the end yeah yeah that (laughs) was Probably just one of the bigger incidents. Yeah, all of my self-destruction has come from taking things personally. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. The more that I talk about it and sit here and gab your ear off. Yeah, well, and and one thing that I really, uh, that that I realized as you were talking was just how how much that happens in relationships specifically. Um, because I don't have to be at the end of a relationship for me to take something personally. Um, you know, I can take even just, you know, something with my wife now can be like, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Oh, Would yeah. you like to come? And you know, no, no, I'm, I'm probably good. Why you don't like it? <laughs> Why you don't like me? Why? What's wrong with me? You know what I mean? 
and um, and I'm pretty good now. And I think that my wife and I have enough of an understanding, and we know each other well enough to know, um, you know, what is and what isn't done in in, in a way that um, isn't harmful for the other individual. But but. Dude, I had a lot of really unhealthy relationships where if I didn't get my way, I was going to take it personally. Yeah. And that and that's what it was is like it's more of like a control thing, right? Like I just wanted to be able to control how you felt about me. I wanted to be able to control how my parents felt about me. I wanted to be able to control how the people at school felt about me. I just wanted to be able to control what everybody thought about me and nowhere in any of that am I just being myself, Yeah. right? Because I'm too busy trying to control other people's opinions of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, it gets exhausting. <laughs> and so, of course, like when I discover that a drink lets me let down that veil and loosen up to the point where I can just exist yeah. and, um, and not care what you think about me because I feel fucking great. You yeah. know, um, of course, of course it's going to lead me down a road, the road that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that relationships might be one of the, biggest and most obvious ways for me to see it. And, 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 you know, I, I can see so many dysfunctional relationships that I was in where, where as a result of me not getting my way, you know, I'm just yeah completely destructive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we self-destruct over other people's you know, behaviors, you know, and and that's, that's the thing that I'm thinking about right now. Like Cameron, have you ever, ever noticed yourself becoming extremely destructive and taking personal, the actions of other people? Because, um, you know, uh, as a, as a business owner now, right. It's, it's easy for me to take the wrongs that other people do and, and, make them somehow about me in mm. business, mm. right? Or uh uh with my children, like if my children aren't aren't doing extremely well or I, you know, a customer isn't 100% happy with the project or like all these things that are just things I end up internalizing and making them about, you know, who I am versus what I've done or what I can do or what the even mm. situation is. Like I can get blinded by the illusion that there's something wrong with me. Right. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> it, it is weird. And like the more we talk about it, the more I realize that it's, it's, um, it's kind of tricky um, in that there is a certain amount of feedback or constructive criticism that I can take in situations and interactions with individuals, um, especially when we talk about the workplace. The workplace. Because if I'm in the workplace, and for me, with with what I do, there there's a couple other people in my job that that do the same thing as me. I'm a video editor. And sometimes, like, when they'll get handed a project instead of me I'll be like I must suck yeah. I must I must not be very good I must not be very good at what I'm doing like or I did something wrong or they're gonna fire me 
<laughs> you know, I mean, and this is where my head will go, you know, yeah. and then and then I really have to make it a point to step back and say it probably has zero to do with me. If if they wanted to fire me, they would fire me. Yep. If there was a problem with the way I was doing things, I I feel like they would let me know yeah. that there is something else I should be doing. And so I really have to just step back and have a conversation with myself about whether or not what I'm thinking is true. Because I will assume for other people, right? Like I will assume you're talking about me. I will assume that it's the worst possible thing you could be saying about me. And I will assume that that's true. Right. Um, all of which may not be fact at all and usually is not. But this is where my brain will take me. Um, and I feel like I always say that that part of my thinking is the addict, right? The alcoholism. Um, and so this is the same behavior that will lead me to a drink. And it's the same behavior that in spite the obvious or the same thinking that in spite the obvious um, repercussions that come from continuing to take a drink, from continuing to seek out, um, consume, and, um, and repeatedly um, seek out and consume drugs and alcohol, that it's that same behavior that, uh, that is um, leading back to just that every, every aspect of my negative behavior comes from this same thing, you know? Right. Um, and yeah. so it's, uh, it's, it's sort of tricky yeah. because I think that there is a place for feedback and there is a place for criticism. Um, and so I have to remember when I'm being told things like, Hey, that's great. Let's, when we do this, let's do this differently or let's do this or let's look at that or especially with what I do, because there's oftentimes like changes or things that need to happen or be made. And there's a huge part of me who wants to be like, oh, we fuck you. You do what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. but I don't take it personal. And I realize that um, it is an opportunity for growth and that it's all in the sake of like, you know, the bigger and better picture. And um, and but it is it can be tricky. Yeah, it can be a process. Yeah. And what, what do you think about uh Here's here's one of the one of the things that I deal with, too. And I really appreciate you talking so solution based on that and the way that you think that through and and kind of dissect when you're starting to take that stuff personally. Um, one of the things that I deal with is I, I think everybody's going to react or feel the way that I may feel if um, I'm given criticism. And so like in that same same vein that you're talking about sometimes i have to be on the other side of that giving the criticism mm -hmm. or giving the, the feedback or giving the direction and i found myself uh really hesitant at times which i don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing but i'll find myself very hesitant to give that feedback or direction or you know change this or that or speak my absolute opinion on stuff worried that that person is going to take it uh, absolutely personally mm -hmm. against their character mm -hmm. instead of their performance or, or, you know, the outcome of the product versus, you know, the intention behind it or, or any of that stuff. And so, 
uh, what ends up happening. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm, let me be clear. I'm way better at this than I've ever been my whole life. But in the past, what would end up happening is I would hold my tongue. Uh, I, I wouldn't say anything that needed to be said or, or redirected that, that behavior, that performance would continue. Uh, eventually I would start taking that personally because I never took any action towards correcting that with that other individual. And then that feeling of taking it personal would eventually begin to turn into resentment. Mm. And now all of a sudden, not only am I, uh, taking their behavior performance or, or whatever, personally and becoming resentful at it now i'm trying to figure out how to fucking like fix the whole situation when it should have all been been taken care of in the first place based on the fact that they're not me and they're probably not even going to take it like it's all it's right. all like in in how tactful i am at at communicating the issue you know and and so when when somebody is able to come to me and give me some of that person that feedback or criticism or redirection or any of those things that they need to tell me today I'm a little bit more grateful about it sure. and, and I can recognize how I approach other people helps them to not feel so take things so personally as well mm-hmm. you know, I know we have to do that on the show sometimes like like uh, if we have a topic that we don't you know that we have both both have different ideas about a topic or we both have different ideas about how to approach the topic or mm. You know, the way that we see somebody's story or how we're going to, you know, dissect our conversation, you know, pre pre uh, show, uh, we have to be open to all this stuff. And we actually had a long time ago a situation where we could have taken a lot of stuff personally um, when, uh, you know, when Nate left the show, like that, that could have been a, a huge thing that we took personally. But rather than taking it personally, we looked at it more like, okay, that's his time to grow and this is our time to grow. Mm-hmm. And we took the ball and ran with it, which ultimately ended up being better for me and you for sure. Right. Like, rather than taking all this stuff personally. And that's that's a direct uh, example of something that we've actually dealt with on the show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I really appreciate what you're saying is because one thing that I I think about as you're talking is in those instances where I'm giving feedback, there's a way of thinking that is helpful for me where I say it's not my responsibility to like how they take this is not my responsibility. Sure. Like I can put it in a very direct way because I know what my intention is. My intention is not to hurt this person's feelings. My intention is not for them to take it personal. My intention is to provide feedback so that in the future they will create a better whatever it is, right? right? Um, and so I know my intention behind it, so I don't need to have any guilt um, around my actions there, right? And I, so I have to do the same thing. I have to assume that others have the same thoughts in mind when they're providing that to me. Right. This person is not meaning to be hurtful, this person is not saying this in an attempt to put me down. This person is doing so in a way that will help me grow. Um, and that is not my normal way of thinking. <laughs> like that is not a default setting for me. That is something that literally has come directly as a result of getting sober and, and doing the work that, yeah. you know, that we, that we do 
um, as a result of that sober sobriety. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. Cause if, if I hadn't done the work in the areas like, you know, when, when, okay, let's take resentment, taking, taking resentments personally, for example, right in the recovery community, um, almost anywhere that you go, there's a process for letting go of the things that were either done to us or made us angry or the mm. things that we fear, stuff like that. There's, there's somewhere that we need to address those things because anger, resentment, and fear are huge, um, offenders of, of the alcoholic and addicts, right? They're, they're these mental blocks, these emotional, um, places where we can't seem to get past them unless we work past them. And so we find this process where we take one resentment, you know, for me, a huge one for me was my ex-wife. Like I took everything that she did personally. I took all of it and I bundled it all up and I made it all about me. I made all mm-hmm. of her actions mm-hmm. as a, as a direct assault on me versus what it actually was, was another sick person acting out in their disease. Right. right? But at, at the time and for a long time, I couldn't see that this was her living her own life, doing her own thing. And I had nothing to do with it other right. than the fact that I was there. And so I took all these actions and I bundled them up into this resentment. And I said, I don't like that person. And I put all this negative energy into it. And the thing about that negative energy that comes along with resentment is that it does not affect that other person unless they know about it and mm-hmm. they decide to take it personally. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if, if that's the case, then again, that's their thing. But, but my resentment towards another person is my issue, right? That's me taking their action personally. And what I found in all that stuff, when I take these things personal, it's so weird because it's never against the action. The, the actuality of it is it's never against a person. It's against an action, mm-hmm. right? Somebody did something, whether it was John, Jake, Jim, Henry, Heimer, or Schmidt, right? It didn't, doesn't matter who that person is. An action may be taken against me, and I take it personally. I don't feel like I deserve that action. I turn it into a resentment, and that resentment destroys me. And so that whole thing is a self-destructive behavior that if we don't catch it and learn a way to cope with it by processing it like you talked about, by... Um, talking myself through it. Do I need to take this personally? Is it an assault on myself? Is it even true? Um, what is my part, which is a huge thing in it? Like, do I right. own admins in yeah. this thing? If we don't, if we don't, you know, take care of that, uh, that whole thing, then um, we have th- like the chance of drinking again and destroying our lives more becomes very real. Like, right. we've, we've seen it over and over mm-hmm. and over again mm-hmm. in the recovery movement. Yeah, it's because the re- resentment will have me the victim again. Yeah, all of a sudden we're a victim. Yeah, and as soon as I'm as soon as I'm the victim, vic- victims drink. You know, we yeah. we see that all the time, and and I think that uh, that it's it's um, a slippery slope. It can be very very uh, hard to to navigate those waters sometimes, and knowing like what what is true and what is the addict speaking to me because I. I feel like it took me quite a bit of time to realize like that that line of thinking was was a part of the deal, right? Was a part of this disease, was a part of the illness. Um, and once I was able to like sort of step back and be like, that's not 
the the world. That's not how a lot of people think. Like right. I think a little bit differently than everybody else. And once I was able to sort of see that, it takes some time to um, to unlearn things and to not trust my own thoughts, and then get to a point where after some time with it, and um, and being able to navigate it not alone, which. I wouldn't recommend, but being able to navigate it with somebody who's been there before or a group of people that have been there before or somebody who has an understanding of how it feels, um, being able to navigate that, then um, you get to a point where you start trusting some of that again. And really, like what I put the trust in now is more of the process, right? Which, Which is, okay... I want to take this personal and of course I want to take it personal because I'm an alcoholic or an addict and this is part of the disease. Um, but I'm choosing not to take it personal because a, I'm not going to give this person my power, right? I'm not going to give away my power to this individual. Um, B it serves absolutely no purpose, um, other than to destroy me. Like they're not going to gain or lose anything from it. Um, unless they choose to, like you said. Um, C, is it in fact true? D, even if it were true, am I going to let that affect me? Um, And uh, and that I can put my trust in that sort of process, not in my own thinking, but in that process. And nine times out of 10, you know, like I can get through it and, absolutely navigate that situation as a quote-unquote normal individual yeah healthy right constructive manner yeah exactly yeah for sure do you think do you think there's ever a time that taken so because because as we're talking through this i'm starting to wonder like uh taking things personally as we've been talking about it is has seemed to be kind of a negative it's had a negative outcome but i wonder and maybe you can help me think of an example of this, but is taking per- things personally ever a good thing? Like is, or is, is taking things personally always kind of like an unnecessary um, kind of a, a negative? Well, like, I would imagine in a way that it's a coping mechanism, right? Like I, like by me taking that personally, it means that I'm going to avoid you, which means that I won't give you another opportunity to hurt me. Right. Um, or reject me or whatever negative outcome could come from us having a relationship. Um, so, I mean, I think it's hard to say whether that's a positive or a negative because who's to say how that relationship might have turned out had you, yeah. you know, stayed in Cause, it. Because I wonder, I wonder if, if I said, Cameron, you know, you, you're, you're looking really good, man. It looks like your, your diet's dialed in and the weight's coming off. Is that something you should take personally? Mm, well, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like what is the, I wonder what the definition of personally or personal, what, what does that even mean? Personal? Yeah. Like taking things personally. Like well, I, I mean, we definitely have to learn how to take a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we should be more quick to hear those good things. I think that, um, because I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess that is interesting. Like if you yeah. go through that same process with compliments, 
where you know somebody tells you something nice and you're like, is that even true? <laughs> is that, should I even? Can you look look up the definition of personally or personal? Because I think too that like when when uh, when it, depending on my frame of mind, uh-huh. when somebody says something nice like that. Like if you were to pay me that compliment now, I'd be like, Willie's just being nice. Like that's not true. Or or I'm being mean or right, like, right, turning right, around. Right. But like and and that's the question. Like maybe it is beneficial to go through that same process. Well, like, is that even true? Like, well, yeah, I have been working out. I have been like trying to be mindful. Like, yeah, it probably probably is true. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so I think we can go through that same process with things that are good and decide if they are true. It's all in an effort to really like look at myself right size, right? Right. Yeah. Right. We have a we have a little bit of a surprise. Ryland's going to look up the the word the definition of personal for us today. Jordan's uh not behind the scenes today. So That's the surprise. That's the surprise. Dang. I'm I don't so know surprised. if people have ever heard Ryland's voice. I know they've heard his name. Uh they might have at one point. He was on an episode before. Yeah, I've ran audio before. Okay. Oh, it sounds so good. Yeah. Thank you. Like 12 times better than Jordan. (laughs) Hope we don't take that personal. All right. So the definition of personal is of or concerning one's private life, relationships, and emotions rather than matters connected with one's public or professional career. Okay. So that that differentiates like... Your home life from your work life. It's, it's it's like this is this is a slam against my character, right? Kind of thing, as yeah. opposed to a slam against my principles, not personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that said before somewhere. More, um, it's not. It's it doesn't really pertain to how I look, but who I am, or. You know, so if you're giving me criticism and am I taking it personally, that means uh, even if it's about my jacket, if you give me a criticism about my jacket, all of a sudden it's about who I am, not what I'm wearing. Yeah, like let's just say like you had a a jacket on that was poorly made, and I was like, oh, that jacket looks like it's looks cheap, kind of cheap. Yeah, and you'd be like, what are you trying to say? about me as an individual when really like I'm commenting on the manufacturer of your jacket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What so. an interesting thing. How, how we dissect this stuff. <laughs> Sometimes looking at it super deep like that can be helpful though. Yeah. Like, um, to know why it is like, because like the first thing, the first thing that when, when Ashley talked about it, she talked it a lot about, you know, being a child and I think that that's where we learn a lot of this behavior. Is, yeah, is obviously, you know, growing up, like your comment about the relationship when you were twelve, like my whole junior high experience, um, and uh, and I think that, you know, the first thing we know for absolute is kids are cruel. They don't know, they, like yeah, they can you know, be, yeah. like they don't know the harm that they're causing, um, and. And, uh, and like that being said, like it's, it's sad because like that is one of the most impressionable times in our life. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah. And it, it's hard to navigate. Yeah. Man. It really is because like, you know, we have this, this entire new movement of, 
you know, complete fairness, um, you know, like everybody gets a trophy kind of thing, which is a lot different than what I grew up with. And, and we're learning that, you know, uh, that, that there's all different kinds of way of bullying, you know, it may not be face to face anymore. Like it was when I was a kid or actual mm-hmm. physical, like physical bullying, be- there's, there's cyber bullying or psychological bullying. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's this, this whole thing of, of comparison, like being fake on Instagram and, and not even portraying yourself realistically and other people taking that personally as somebody that, you know, looking at somebody else's life and feeling like they don't match up. And, right. and like, there's, there's this whole, whole other dynamic of, of issues that are different than when we were kids. But, um, the thing of it is, is like, like navigating through that and making the right choice. Like we've tried as a society, it seems like we've tried very, very hard to make those impressionable years a little bit better. And, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and maybe they are, maybe they're not because, um, you know, it's still too early to tell because, um, of the things that we're learning, right? Like, like this note, you know, this bully free zone movement was an attempt to make that, um, that impressionable year better for, for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then the bully, found a new way to bully <laughs> and it just it, it perpetuated and, and and so like figuring out how to navigate this don't take it personally no matter what thing is I think it, I, I appreciate where my thinking has gone with this whole thing through this conversation because as a father I want my children to be able to take negative uh, or, or any 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 kind of criticism or situation or relationship or any of that stuff and view it as an experience mm-hmm. in their life, mm-hmm. not a, not as a, a punishment or, you know, take it personally against their character or any of that stuff that to the point where, you know, they feel outside or they shut down or they become addicts or, or, you know, God forbid suicide or something right. like that, because taking things personally can actually lead to death. Like yeah. you can, and, and, everybody is affected by that negatively when it's, when it's in that context. Right. And so, man, like, like how, bleh, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do know what you're saying, but I do appreciate the fact that you brought it back to parenthood because I think for me, I, uh, I am definitely viewing things a little bit differently now. I think that's how, you know, like you're officially like, uh, a parent is when you stop like Googling things for yourself and start Googling <laughs> things like how to not pass it on to my child. Like, <laughs> like how do how do I become a more confident person? Instead, I'm like Googling like how do I raise a more confident child? Yeah. Um, but I I do think that this is definitely something I want to, you know, like help my kids understand like is hey hey man like that person said this to you like whatever like that's just them speaking like you don't have to take that on it doesn't have to be a part of you yeah and uh and you know like people are going to do this to you your whole life yeah you know one of the things that we've done with our kids and i don't know if this is the right thing to do or not but uh you know my kids are they're they're in jujitsu which is uh kind of a a personal um, sport, right? Like as you learn jujitsu, it's you learning jujitsu to to go one on one with another person. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that single singleness of confidence building. And then also they're in gymnastics, which is a team sport. Right. Right. And so my hope with that, because there is some of that, you know, like I know that there's things with me that help me grow in confidence as I do things on a personal level where I get up and I go work out in the morning and that's, that's me doing my thing against myself. Right. And then there's the recovery movement, which is me doing my things with a community. Mm. And so having that team building, also that, that personal building, those kind of things, uh, both help me navigate through that, not taking stuff personally. And I think that's probably a good idea for everybody. I mean, we'll find out. Yeah. Right. But, but from what I've read as, because if you look at my bookshelf <laughs> at home, yeah, it's all personal development shit. Right, you know? they're they're very very little uh, fantasy or biography, fiction, yeah, yeah, like type mm-hmm. stuff. Other than uh, yeah, e- even the fiction stuff is like on some type of personal development thing. I just I just want to maximize my my experience here while I have the chance and, and taking stuff personally seems to be such a waste of time. Um, if I take it negatively because the way that it makes me feel, it occupies every inch of my brain for the mm-hmm. time that it's mm-hmm. there. Right. And I will go through and I'll have these false, these, these imaginary conversations with that person. And I'll have these imaginary outcomes to the situation and all these things, nothing. And it's all inside my head and then I'm not present and I'm not participating and I'm not right. being a part of and I'm missing out on real life and and all that stuff because I'm taking stuff personally. And it's just uh, something I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think really like the the uh, the tricky thing for I don't want to I keep I keep saying the word tricky and I it is I tricky. It is, I mean, it is tricky. It's double edged, two sided. It's, it's this and that. It's a lot of those things, but it's also one of the things that I'm thinking about that I, I, I feel like it's important for me to, um, to rid myself of in order to better navigate these waters is doubt. Right. So, Oh yeah. It's because here, here's what happens. And I'll just give you an example, um, of something that happened to me recently and where I was more apt and able to um, to come out on the on the better side of this, which is, I had a work project, um, and uh, the person that I was doing the project for um, was uh, basically went to my boss's boss and said, "Why isn't this done yet? I can't believe this isn't done yet." And uh, and then that person then came and spoke with me, and um, I knew without a doubt that I had worked on that project um, as much as was conveyed to me um, that was expected. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my quality of work was good and that I um, am efficient at what I do. And I, and I basically said, I am not going to take this personally because I know that I did my absolute best with this based on what was conveyed to me for expectations. And if there were any other expectations, then maybe we need to have a conversation about communication um, rather than my skills as an editor, right? Right. Um, And that was very well received. 
And, but had I not worked on that, had I been slacking off, had I been doing something else or had there been any doubt about my skills and ability in that situation, it would have been very easy for me to say, I did screw up. Like I did, like they're absolutely right to be mad or, and, and to take it personal. Right. And so with what you're saying is you get up, you work out, you exercise, you stay plugged into the community so that when you're faced with this situation where somebody is doubting your worth, you can say, I know my worth, yeah. dude. Yeah. I got up today. I didn't want to do this. I did this. I did everything I was supposed to do today. So I am not going to take what you're saying personally. Right. right? Yeah. So I think that, uh, that that's an important thing. And, and when we talk about like instilling this message in our kids, like it's, it's going to be something that I, you know, that I, I try to, I try to explain to my child in a very weird and <laughs> strange way. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, we've only been parents for as long as we've been parents, and it is part of our story. So Yeah, well, we'll see, man. No, I love it, it man. I love it. I needed to have this conversation because I forget how uh, how easy it is for me to take things and, and make it about my character. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And we've yeah. said it, we've said it before, man. I have a disease that wants me dead, but it'll settle for me being drunk. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. So. Absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we get to do the things that we do. I'm glad we get to talk to the people that we do. Yes. And um, one of those people is Ashley. Um, I'm really excited that we got this topic from her story. You guys, I think, are really going to dig this. Um, and I'm excited for you, for you to hear it. Yeah. So with that, this is Ashley's story. This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwash Coffee. Brainwash Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwash Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at the other side of the island. With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Ain't Your Amigo, Brainwash Coffee has your back no matter what you're poisoning. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at brainwashcoffeeco.com. Clean your bean with Brainwash. And without further ado, here is this week's question. So my name is Ashley, and um, I know most people identify as an addict after they say their name, but um, a lot of my story is faith-based, and um, I know that words have power, and I do not want my mind to hear me say that and identify with that. So that's where I stand on it. Do what works for you, Um, but that's how it works for me. And, um, yeah, so, um, I was born in 85 in Texas to, to, um, pretty much newly married parents. They were like 19 and 20, I believe, or 20 and 21 when I was born. And, um, they're just amazing. Like at a great upbringing. Um, I think we started out with like land, we had like a trailer and land. I remember five Dalmatians. Um, my dad would teach me how to do tool stuff. He's always, owned some kind of uh, electrical contracting or just working with his hand. And he's incredibly smart and talented in that area and uh, always let me help and always let me come along and feel special. And I would go have meetings with him and the guys at IHOP and I get the smiley face pancake. It was great. (laughs) Never finished it, um, but it was cool. Um, And my mom, well, she was 
with my arrival, she was finally getting to do what she always wanted to do is be a mom. That's what she used to tell people she wanted to be when she was younger. She's like, I want to be a mom. And she was 100% meant to be that. Like, so amazing. So amazing. Um, and it was so cool growing up because they they were like my best friends, but there's that level of respect. Like, you're my parents. You're not my buddy. You know, like, I could talk to them about anything, come to them with stuff. Um, and I knew I didn't have to, like, be like, oh, my gosh, they're going to get mad at me. You know, like, I had that sometimes. But um but yeah, it was, it was like an open, respectful relationship between all of us. And then my brother came along in 89 when I was like four and a half and I wanted a sister. So I was not excited at the time, but you know, he, um, yeah, you know, I accepted it. He, what do you do? And um, yeah, like we grew up, uh, he's, he's incredible too. He's a taller than me now, has been for years. Um, he's married and um, doing great. And, uh, yeah, I just had a great family. Um, I was raised in church. Um, it was not at all weird to be at church two or three times a week, um, on a regular basis, serving, um, living that life inside and outside that building. Like that's what I grew up seeing. Um, a lot of people, um, kind of shy away or, or run away from the idea of God because, they grew, they grew up seeing caretakers or people in authority over them living double lives. And it just like, they're just like, uh, what is this all about? And is, is it a front? It's nothing, you know? And it, it like, I think it cheapens it and it's, I think it's misleading. And I, I don't know, it's, it's really sad when that happens, but, um, I was raised in church, but not religion. I was brought up to believe, to know, um, God as a relationship. And you get to know his character, you get to know who he is and what he says about you. And there's that trust. Um, I had the knowledge, I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't have any action behind it. I didn't accept it as mine. It's like, oh yeah, I know all this stuff. Cool, like, what is that? I didn't do anything with it, you know? And um, so yeah, all that part was great. I had all the basics of like, just doing great in life, um, generally, I guess. Um, and, uh, but one thing is I got bullied all the time <laughs> through like every single grade. There was like a new set of people that felt like they needed to call out stuff physically about me that I had no control over, like freckles. And now those are in style, which is funny. Um, I had two silver front teeth and got made up kind of for that. Like I had control over my teeth. I didn't know why I had those at that age, but I did. And, um, <clears throat> and then I lost those and new teeth came in and then I had discoloration on those. Um, it was just a genetic thing, um, hypocalcification, uh, but just stuff like I was just, what really sucks now looking back is I let these strangers shape who I saw myself as and who I identified as. And I took all their, their words. And I was like, oh, that must be me. You're like, I'm weird, I'm ugly, I'm, short well I'm, I love being short but back then it was like an insult um and uh just I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere and I was just like well this freaking sucks um you know and I'm also very stubborn so I would try not to act I wouldn't act hurt in front of these people I'd be like what like <laughs> like showing no I don't want them to know that they got to me you know but what, that doesn't do anything for you but um yeah, I just, I dealt with that, like rejection. Um, 
I dealt with that a lot and self-doubt, self, I just saw myself in a very distorted way and um, yeah, accepted that as my identity and I, I grabbed onto that. I was like, I'm these things and they're nothing positive. And um, so <laughs> there was, um, I mean, I served in church, like I, I played the part and I didn't, you know, I was playing a part, like I thought that's what it was. But as I got older, I realized I never really had a relationship of my own but that will change. I'll change. Um, I will get to that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, this guy and I liked each other. We were in youth group, but the, uh, I was on worship team. I've always done singing. So always was a worship leader, loved it. Um, things amazing. Um, but there's this guy, we liked each other. We've known each other since we were like six or seven, like we grew up in church together and we liked each other, but in our youth group, we we're not allowed to date till we graduated high school just to keep our focus on being a kid, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, we hung out. We're like, yeah, we like each other. And it was just like a knowing thing, but we didn't date or anything. And in my mind, in my um, non-coping skill, non-realistic writing last name on the notebook, girl, teenage girlness, um, <laughs> I uh, had it in my mind that his intention was to like date and be with me forever and get married and everything as soon as we graduated. Like that, that was my 17 year old mentality at the time or 16 at the time. And um, that was not it. He, um, we graduated or he did. And um, he went off to Bible college. Like he wanted to be a pastor or go into that field to some degree. And I think it's ridiculous now because of, he was, that was great. That's great for him. Um, but at that age, I was being rejected again. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I seriously, like, I was like, F all this Christian stuff. Like I went, I flipped like <laughs> all those years, like built up. And I was like, F all of this, like I am going the other way and just F all, like, I don't want to say it now, but like God, Christians, everybody, like everyone that cared about me that didn't do anything to me. I was against all of them, like immediately because I was hurt, you know, and um, irrational, obviously. And just, yeah, just like it just built up and it was just, yeah, it was horrible. And it's funny because I couldn't even identify any of that back then. I just reacted. I didn't know why. I found this out through counseling years later. Um, but uh, back then I was just like, I just flipped out. I, um, I was supposed to sing the national anthem at a hockey game one night. And I told my parents to go ahead, ahead of me. I was like, I'll, I'll meet you guys there. Um, they went, I called and said, told the stadium people, I was like, um, I'm not gonna be there. You're gonna find someone else. Like the night of, my parents were like waiting in the audience for me to come out and sing and I never did. <clears throat> and I had written, um, I'm sure it was a pathetic like note. It was very flippant and not even indicating how serious it was that your child just left because I have kids now and I, ugh, I can't imagine stuff I put them through um, being a mom now. Um, but yeah, I packed up my Jeep and I took off. I just started driving. I lived in New Mexico. I just started driving north. Ended up in Colorado, um, eventually South Dakota. The Jeep broke down um, and my parents actually came up there and found me um, and I went to juvie. We got shipped back home in shackles. I felt like a murderer <laughs> because they, I was a runaway. So they were like, is she going to literally run? I'm like, no, guys, but precautions. So my parents told the law enforcement up in South Dakota, they were like, 
we don't want to bring her home. Like she's going to take off again. And they're like, well, she's underage. Anything she does like legal wise or illegally, you're liable for it. So like, and they're like, yeah, we know. So <laughs> they weren't too keen on that idea. And they're like, she's going to go do something stupid. We're going to be implicated, you know? And um, so they took me directly from the airport to a runaway shelter in a, it was actually like a sketchy part of Albuquerque. Um, but I was the only one in there that's never done drugs that had never, like, I was just being a defiant teenager at the time. And um, they actually trusted me to kind of keep an eye on everybody else. Um, and um, <laughs> like, I don't know why, but um, yeah, like in the coming years, like any facility I was at like that, like a rehab, whatever, they always trusted me and like gave me more permission to like gave me my phone or whatever, but that's always happened too. I just realized that. Um, anyway, I met a guy there and like I said, I wasn't allowed to date. I never even went to a school dance because it, it had too much red tape. Um, <laughs> it's like, I need blood types of all the people you're going to be with. No, I wasn't that serious, but I just didn't bother with that. I wasn't really interested and I really didn't have friends at school. I had maybe one or two every once in a while. Um, but all my friends were at church. Um, so, um, so yeah, I ended up taking off from there because the guy that kinda, we kind of liked each other, he turned 18 and had to leave. And so I um, followed him and his mom helped him with the first month. It was in a trashy area. Like it was bad. It was a bad area of Albuquerque, but it was cool. It was like, whatever I'm doing, I'm a grown up. You know, I was five months away from being 18 or four months. This is in 2003. And um, yeah, still, I thought I was smoking cigarettes, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even inhaling for a year and a half of smoking cigarettes. Um, I was just taking it here, blowing it out. And I'm like, I am smoking. I'm so awesome. You know, like, dumb. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just playing grown up, but being very childish about it. Um, not thinking about anybody else, like what it was putting my I mean, come to find out my parents were literally driving up and down that street in that area just to see if I, they could see me alive. They didn't know where I was. Oh, oh can't imagine. Uh, um, but uh, so yeah, we had this place covered for a month. His mom covered it. And of course we're being bums and whatever. We didn't get a job to sustain it. No, instead we got like an eviction notice and that it was like a studio apartment. I think it's a little smaller than my studio. I love my studio though, but <laughs> we had about 30 people posted up in here, like not here and there. And it looked like dead bodies everywhere. Like there were piles of clothes. There was like food boxes from like um, food banks and stuff like that. It was, it was not, it was horrible. Um, I tried, I even thought I smoked pot a couple of times, which I didn't inhale. So I did not. So they're like, it's not affecting you. I'm like, no, it's not like, and so I tried that, um, but I didn't really, um, but we were, my boyfriend at the time and I were at a friend's house um, and this guy came in kind of eyeballing me. They're all sitting like a smoke circle and I was not smoking apparently. Um, and he kind of like summons me back there. He asked the, he's like, is that her boyfriend? And they're like, yeah. And he was like, okay. Um, <laughs> Anyway, he's the one that gave me my first anything. And he was obviously, obviously trying to drug me or kill me. Um, Cause what he kept offering, 
Uh, I knew nothing about drugs. He had like freezer bags full of various drugs. I didn't even know what they were. Like I heard the names, I didn't know what the heck they were. And uh, he's like, you can have as much of it as you want. And I was like, well, what's that? And he's like, well, a heroin. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 the movies, that's bad. That's bad because they do that in movies. No, won't do heroin. <laughs> that's all I knew were movie references. And um, I'm sure those weren't even accurate, uh, but he was like, I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's meth. And I was like, I think I've seen a commercial for that. What is that? You see bugs? Like, I, I really did not know anything. Um, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll do that. So he gave me some, I snorted it. I was like, I'm not feeling it. And he did a shot of heroin and he was falling asleep in the corner. And I was just like, like, like a monkey in a tree. Um, he leaves and I guess uh, requests that two guys that were there take me to his hotel room. And um, he uh, had little like bowls and syringes laid out. He really wanted me to do heroin, like he really did. And he's like, hey, do you want some more of that stuff I gave you earlier? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I can, yeah, that'd be great. Um, he's like, well, this is how we're doing it. And I was like, okay. Because even though I was defiant, flipped out, like cursed everything, everyone that I've ever known my whole life for no reason, um, really. Um, at that point, I felt bad because I realized I was a jerk. And what am I doing to my parents? What am I doing to these people that have done nothing but love me and done everything for me? I, I felt like such remorse and that they'd just be better off without me. <clears throat> and I was like, you can OD on drugs, right? Like, yeah, let's just do that. Like, I didn't care. Um, that was my first not caring because <laughs> it got way worse later. Um, but yeah, so he hit me up with double the dose of the people that have been doing this for over a decade, um, might've been two decades. And they reacted physically to what they got. It was a meth and heroin mix. And he did the same amount. He did some in this one and this one. And I did not react the way those seasoned people did. And it freaked him out. I believe I was being protected. And that's a constant throughout my whole thing. Um, very evident <laughs> um, considering the situations I found myself in. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up locking myself in the bathroom because at one point, I, he looked like he was looking through me. And those two guys took off, by the way, and left me with this weirdo. Um, and he, he was looking through me and it gave me like this, what the heck? You know, it, it creeped me out. But he said, there's spirits in this room trying to kill, kill me through you. And I was like, I, okay. Uh, you know, I went to the bathroom, locked myself in there until he fell asleep and I took off. So that was my first dealings with drugs <laughs> like you would think that you'd be like oh my gosh I'm never touching that stuff again but I was in such a um, bad state mentally just because I was just on myself and over the years I figured out through counseling counseling is amazing um, I, I love learning about the mind of learning about why people do things and I was very sheltered growing up very loving household and everything but very closed off to the reality of other ways of life and being on the streets, I'm like so, so thankful. Um, and I take so much from it um, that was positive and helped me see people for not, not the actions they're putting out, but like, why? Like, why are you hurting? Why are you trying to hurt people? Like, what, what the heck? Like, are you okay? You know, type of thing. But you get to like why they're doing it, not get offended that they are doing it. Like, it's not personal. And that's something I purpose to do. And I'm teaching my like my Charlotte, I've told uh, my, my oldest, um, I've told her numerous times recently, I'm like, don't take anything personal, like purpose to do that, make it a habit. 
Um, I was like, because when you don't take things personally, you don't get offended. You don't get booty hurt at people and you see them for the pain that they're feeling. That's why they're acting that way, you know, and you're just a lot more forgiving, um, accepting and just uh, empathetic toward people. It changes your heart stance and mind stance on it. And it's, um, your mind's incredibly powerful. <laughs> um, I've literally reprogrammed parts of my personality that I used to have like control freak. And I know that I had that because I felt out of control like my whole childhood because I was just being tortured at school, you know? And so I can control this. So I will like with my talons. <laughs> so um, it's very important to figure out why you do something. And I did that in counseling. Um, so this, this life got so much worse and I don't even call it living. Um, I existed pretty much and survived somehow, um, for 13 years off and on. Um, I was, it was the same, same cycle. I wrote out a timeline as part of the counseling to try to spot patterns. <clears throat> and I remember dates pretty darn well. And, um, I was able to like, this is my first use what led up to that the feelings, action, and then consequence. And it was the same. Like, you're, it was crazy. I was just like, wow, you would think, you know, that I would be like, let's not do this again. But no, um, like I've heard other people's stories so many times, like where you left off and started to get better and you go back, you're like further back, like, than you left off. Like you, you like skip, you know, skip, go and go to jail, you know? So, um, I got arrested numerous times. Um, I ended up having to do a prison sentence. Um, I was expecting eight to 10 years, not because of the severity of the charges, but because, um, I was on the streets. I would get caught stealing or something. I would have a minuscule amount, like wasn't even detectable almost most of the time. Um, and I would have a possession charge and then they'd release me give me chances like drug court or whatever to try to help and I'd be released to the streets like I'm not gonna make the right choice <laughs> I'm just not and so I just kept messing up all the chances they gave me and my public defender at one point I was on the run for like a year and a half like I shaved my head um it was it was insane um I I even found myself uh couple times in a kidnapping type of situation, not to where I was like abducted, but I was not allowed to leave. Um, it was insane. I, Reno was one of them. I basically got abandoned up there. Um, at that point, toward the end of my time there, I was going on pure survival. Like I need to survive because that was before I carried knives, which I do, I still do today. Um, <clears throat> but I was literally like up for 13 days. And most of that wasn't even drug related. It was, I need to stay awake because the people were trying to give me stuff, but I just kind of hit it. I didn't do it because I needed to be there as much as possible. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, the theme of protection and preservation has like just been a constant in my story. Now that I look back, um, there's so many times like I should not be here. It's like so many ways and times um, like that. Um, I never once been raped. I've never been beat up. Um, I've never been assaulted, like, like nothing, nothing physical, physically bad. Um, and also nothing like mental. Uh, I was basically like harming myself out there. Nobody else did. 
um, I was very hard on myself and that's who I had to forgive. Like, usually you have to forgive somebody like, oh, I can't forgive that person because they did this. It was me. Like I had to forgive myself. And once my kids came into the picture, um, like my, my oldest, she, um, I was clean at the time I got pregnant when I had her and after I had her, um, uh, I have, I've had four kids. I had four kids in five years. <clears throat> and, um, so I had my oldest love doing the mom stuff. Loved it. Love, love her. Oh, she's amazing. My kids are amazing. Um, I don't know where they came from or what I did to <laughs> get to be their mom, but they're incredible. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, if I get all teary, it's not because it's hard to, like, talk about it. It's because, oh, my kids, just so thankful for them. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so there she is. <laughs> I'm doing all the mom stuff. My mom even had to tell me, go do stuff with kids your age. Well, not kids, adults your age. You don't have to stay at home with the baby all the time. I was like, I want to, though. Like, I just, I loved it. Um, but uh, I started making a... Uh, what was that called? Like, um, maybe compromises would be the right word. I think there's another word I want to use, but I would just let little things slide that I normally had on lockdown. Like, um, I would start smoking again. Um, usually would start with something that I had to hide. And in my case, it was usually smoking. I was still living at home. And even though I was of age to do so legally, it's my parents' house and I need to respect the rules, which was do not smoke if you live here. So I didn't, but I did, like, I would drive away and do it. And I'd spray everything. I was hiding it. So I started getting that habit of hiding. And then I would just slip right back into it every single time. And it would start with the same little things. And uh, uh, when, when my oldest was nine months old, I found I was pregnant with my second one. And immediately, you know, I was just like, adoption. Like, that's my only answer. Like, it really was. Like, that was my only option because of just, that's just what I believe in stuff. And, um, it's amazing because he actually got to complete a family that had been wanting a child for years and we're still in contact. He knows me as Auntie Ashley's, but he actually calls me mom sometimes now, but he's 14. He just turned 14 earlier this month and incredible kid too. Um, so flipping smart, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it just, anything, like I said, the protection and everything, like anything that was supposed to like be detrimental or could have been horrible, like it was turned into a blessing to myself, the subject, and usually somebody else. Like I've just seen that like throughout my whole life and it's been really flipping awesome. Um, like, like I said earlier that like um, some people's perception of church and God kind of drives them away from that. Um, that actually kept me grounded in a sense um knowing that that was like what I believed to be the absolute truth and what I knew I could go back to I had something to go back to and I understand that a lot of people don't even have that and so there's like no hope you know um I knew that that was there but I had to accept it and that's when I was still a control freak and I was like but I have to let go and I have to trust and no, I can't no can't do it like I just would not do it <laughs> um but yeah, I got married somewhere in there, 2011, I believe. Two months later, my youngest was born. Um, oh, I skipped over my third child. Um, he actually passed away when he was two months old. Um, and uh, 
yeah, so I had the one that passed away. He was going to be adopted by the same people that adopted my other son. And then um, I turned to heroin because a lot of stuff went on in my marriage. And he basically, he took our daughter to Texas and left me in New Mexico on the streets. And I just gave up. I actually believed that I was supposed to be a junkie and died. Like I literally believed that. Um, and prison saved my life. I, it'll be six months next month. Yeah, uh, March 29th. So, um, but yeah, that that is, that is it. Like it, it's, I would just say like, yeah, your words have power um, and uh, you choose what's gonna affect you and you have, you, you do have control over things to some extent, but um, serving, serving people, serving others and uh, not focusing on myself has healed, like literally healed me. Um, and for me, it was worship, like praise and worship. So I did that constantly when I got out of prison and it was my life and it literally healed me serving others. And I'm open about telling my story because if it can keep one person from doing it or show them that there's another way, so worth it. So yeah, um, uh, Instagram. If you want to reach me on Instagram, you totally can. I am open about everything. Nothing's too personal. Um, <laughs> just whatever. Um, I'm here for whatever. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it's worth it. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know that that comment about helping one person. I always remember that I'm one person, right? Like I was that one person mm -hmm. one time. It does. It does matter. Mm -hmm. It is yeah. worth it. Well, and that's why we do it. You know, like we, we like to, it gives purpose to our story. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. There was a lot that I identified or that I identified with there. Yeah. That uh, childhood stuff, man. You know, we just did a whole show on it. Right. Right. Jeez. Well, I think that it's interesting because you always assume that the people that have the most trauma in their childhood, um, turn to drugs and then their life self self destructs. Right. But in Ashley's story, a lot of that came before yeah. you know, that self destruction came before drugs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, it's important to remember that, um, drugs are not always the catalyst, you know, um, yeah. drugs can just be peppered in. Um, and then take things to the next level. Um, and, uh, and your story was amazing. Yeah. I'm um, so glad that you're on this side of it now. Yeah. I would have liked to have heard more. Can you tell me a little bit more about what life is like for her today? Like, like what? Like her family life. Uh, I know that she, she got sober through, uh, yeah. So yeah, she's living in Texas and, um, she was working at the women's prison. Um, she's hoping to get back into that now. Um, she's kind of in between churches right now, which is good for her. Um, she's uh, definitely out there, you know, putting her message out there and, and just kind of giving all the all the glory to God that she can. Um, so she's she's doing well. She's connected with her kids and she loves being a mom. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. Through, through mm -hmm. her story. You know, mm -hmm. we talked. We talked a little bit off camera. Unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of times I wish we had more time for that slot because, yeah. because there's so much, 
that goes into somebody's life, you know. Um, but how do you sum it up? Yeah, so quickly. Yeah, how do you how do you make all the all the points that you want to make in that amount of time in mm-hmm. in twenty to twenty five minutes? When when we start, it seems like forever, but it goes by. Yeah, pretty, it does. It goes by pretty yeah, quick, you know. And so um, she's doing she's doing good. That's I, I, obviously yeah. she's doing good. I I, I can't thank, <clears throat> I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and and uh, and I just uh, I I love to hear what what it's like for us on you know now that we're now that we're <laughs> no longer in it. Yeah. Um, some of the lessons that she was able to take away from some of that stuff that happened to her as a child like are just so valuable and you can hear how how the the work that she has done mm-hmm. um based on you know what she's able to realize in retrospect yeah um and i think that that's you know where we all get to especially um or, or well where we all hope to get to anyways um having done some work is be able to see like you know where what our part was in some of the stuff that happened to us as kids yeah um and uh and man like and carry that and, and change it around change it around and 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 help others with that message yeah. you know something she's doing something that um you know I, I like to think we're doing here as well and uh and yeah just yeah. a really really great story yeah where, where can people find her so she is on instagram she did say that you can hit her up on instagram her handle is hippie h-i-p-p-i-e dot underscore dot chick c-h-i-c Okay. Um, so yeah, it sounds like yeah. she's a, she's an open book. She's willing to help in any way she can. So please reach out to her, reach out to us. Um, we would love to, uh, to hear from you. Yeah. And, and if you want a little bit more of, of her, we're going to link a YouTube video in the description that she sent to us when she reached out that that's beautifully put together with a little bit you know, some of the same points, but some different points about her story too, that she wasn't able to get to in this. Mm-hmm that kind of give you a little bit more about who she is and what she's been through. So yeah, it's great. Pretty, Very pretty good. amazing woman. Thank you so much for, for that and all that you're doing. You know, I know that, uh, you're going to help a lot of people. So yeah. Yeah. Thank sure. you so much. Well, that was a, that was a really great topic. Um, really fun to talk about. Yeah. Don't take it personal. Yeah. I mean, we should end this show now. <laughs> I don't want anybody to take that personal. <laughs> Um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, I'm super happy to be here. I'm grateful you're here. Um, I really needed this today and I really needed to hear the stories that I did today to have the conversations that we did. And, uh, and I can't, uh, I'm I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Lucky. In this seat. Rylan, thank you. Jordan. Rylan, thank you. Jordan. Cameron. Thank you. Willie. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being here for me. And with that, remember, guys, you are worth the work. We'll see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.